another episode of What's the Res, an ongoing conversation about the current resolutions in the world of high school debate. My name is Josh Herring, and I'm a debate coach and humanities instructor at Thales Academy in Rollsville, North Carolina. Today, I want to do a Lincoln-Douglas framework episode. We've previously done these on uh, consequentialism, on deontological ethics. Uh, we did one. I did one on teleology not long ago. Today, I want to do a bit more of an advanced LD paradigm episode, and this at least is something that I think could be applicable. Though I will confess, I have not actually run into this while judging Lincoln Douglas. So uh, that either means this is not terribly useful, or that maybe it's a bit more cutting edge than uh, what I see in our our circuit. Uh, this episode is dedicated to discussing a philosophical paradigm called personalism, and in this episode, I want to go over what it is, why it matters, how it could work as a Lincoln-Douglas framework, and then list several big authors in personalism that if you want to try and use this, you need to dig deep into. Personalism is a rather significant philosophical movement across the 20th century. It's grounded in both European and American philosophical work, and uh, the probably the closest tie to it in traditional LD focus is the use of Immanuel Kant's uh, categorical imperative principle. Personalism is going to draw on something similar, but it's going to go in a much more diverse direction. In the interest of full disclosure, I will mention that uh, I've written, I've published a book review on this. It's entitled "Till We Have Faces," published in the Acton Institute's journal called Religion and Liberty. It's in volume twenty-nine, number one. Uh, I'll have the link to that in the show notes. In that book review, the book I reviewed is called "An Introduction to Personalism" by a Spanish academic philosopher named Juan Manuel Burgos. Uh, that book was. Uh, published in 2018 in English and is published by the Catholic University of America Press. So uh, in this, I've been thinking about personalism for a couple of years now. I went to a seminar uh, last March, March of 2018, that was taught by Professor John Henry, or I'm sorry, John Crosby and his son, John Henry Crosby, both PhDs in philosophy, both deeply entrenched in personalist dialogue and discourse, uh, both heavily involved with the, pro- with the Von Hildebrand Project, uh, both also connected with the Franciscan University of Steubenville. So this episode is kind of bringing together both some of the things that I learned from that seminar and also from reading Burgos's book on personalism. And I really think that personalism can be a very effective philosophical framework through which we can analyze a lot of the issues that tend to come up in Lincoln-Douglas debate. So let's begin with what personalism is. Burgos explains that personalism is really the middle ground between two extremist views that develop by the time we get to 20th century philosophy. He argues that on the one hand, we have a series of collectivist philosophies that are looking at society as a singular unit. The various socialisms, uh, even to the extent of the communisms, uh, like we see practiced today in China, in uh, the mid-20th century, in Russia, and so on, those all of those are collectivist philosophies that are looking at society and the person really as a collective whole rather than focusing on the individuals. On the other extreme, we have individualist philosophies. These focus really on the individual to the exclusion of society, whether we're talking about Jean-Paul Sartre and his existentialism, or whether we're looking at the various postmodern children of existentialism. Uh, Michel Foucault would look at, would be kind of in this vein. Uh, uh, I, I don't know Baudrillard, but I suspect he would also kind of fit in this one as well. 
personalism is intended to begin to really take part of each and begin forming a new philosophical dialogue. So personalism is the attempt to recognize that the human person is first and foremost individual, but that individual is contingent on the existence within society. So uh, personalists don't really like the term individual. That's why they, they think that carries a lot of philosophical baggage along with individualists. That's why they prefer the word persons because the person is infinitely valuable as an individual, but the person is never truly alone and in isolation. And that's, that's kind of obviously true from what kind of creatures we are as human beings. We're born into families. We grow into societies. That principle is as tr has been true ever since Aristotle observed it in the politics. Man is by nature a creature designed to live in a polis. We are designed to live in political community. We live together. We, we in fact, are, as it uh, goes back to the book of Genesis, uh, it is not good for man to be alone. We are together, but that doesn't mean that we are always uh, to be considered in a total group setting. That's the collectivist error, Burgos argues. Collectivism argues that you, that, and this, this is really where communism failed. Communism failed to deal with the individual needs and desires and wisdoms that each person has at his disposal. So really, we need something that recognizes this dual nature of humanity. And that's where personalism comes in. Personalism is an attempt to really reboot philosophy and begin it with the essential assumption that the human person is infinitely valuable, is dialogical, and exists as both an objective and subjective person. And this personalism really grows out of the development of 20th century social sciences in a way, uh, because part of the development of personalism is wrestling with a lot of the things that older philosophies got wrong. Uh, Plato and Aristotle and Aquinas all saw things truly, but they also thought that they were also wrong about the cosmos. They had no understanding of neuroscience. Uh, they, they had a flawed understanding of chemistry. Personalism wants to back that up and say, okay, what if we begin philosophy from the starting point to say the human person is valuable and precious and priceless, and what we need to do is structure society in such a way that we see the mutual flourishing of persons as dialogical beings who are both unique but also exist together. With those as foundational principles, personalism offers really a different approach than other philosophical paradigms. And that really, uh, the next piece I wanted to really get to is why personalism matters. And this has everything to do with the 20th century. Uh, because what we clearly need, as any survey of the 20th century indicates, is a new grounding of ethics. Uh, in one sense, medieval ethics were very simple. Uh, for the Middle Ages, it was quite simple. What does the church say that God says? That's right. Well, by the time we get to modernity, as Charles Taylor makes clear in his tome, A Secular Age, that consensus has really fallen apart. There's no longer a widespread agreement on the nature or person of God, and certainly no widespread agreement on the connection between God as divine being and how you and I live as neighbors on a street, much less as citizens of a state, a nation, or the, a global community. We need a new grounding of ethics. 
And now the personalist authors argue that the 20th century horrors show us that we have a very clear need for a universal ethic that is grounded first and foremost, not in abstract principles, but in the assumption, the assertion that the human person is valuable. And so personalism historically grows out of a variety of factors, but the biggest of those is post-war academic work happening in France, Spain, Italy, and Poland. As we have scholars like Carol Wojtyla, uh, who later becomes Pope John Paul II, you have Charles Mounier, you have Jacques Maritain, all of these guys are wrestling with the questions of how do we do ethics in the aftermath of the Holocaust? And sadly, as of course John Paul II dedicated his career to, recognizing that uh, the Holocaust happened for the Jews, but that doesn't mean that the chaos and the tragedies are over because just across the Iron Curtain, things are even worse in war-torn Poland and in the USSR. How do we deal with the fact that we have a communist government that is, a, that is literally causing the deaths of millions of their own citizens? Alexander Solzhenitsyn reveals the depths of this in his great book, The, uh, the Gulag Archipelago, where you have the intentional slaughter and, uh, of hundreds of thousands and the hidden deaths of millions of people. How do you deal with that? How do we deal with the fact that we now have governments that are able to control and manipulate people to such infinite levels? Well, their answer, and by they here I mean John Paul II and Charles Mounier and Jacques Maritain and uh, several, and Dietrich von Hildebrand, to name just four of the big mid 20th century personalists, their answer was that we have to begin from a new first principle. Uh, Immanuel Kant argued that we needed a priori principles. We needed principles that can be clearly perceived before the foundation of everything. Well, his a priori principle was the categorical imperative and that we simply need to universalize an action to determine what its effects are. Well, ultimately, Kant's method failed. Kant's method leads us to uh, an insufficient grounding for how you and I should act towards each other. Instead, personalism argues... We need to begin with recognizing there is something priceless in the fact that we as human beings recognize ourselves as persons and we recognize other human beings as persons. And we have the ability to dialogue one to another as persons. Because of that, then, we need to then structure society in such a way that society recognizes the inherent dignity of every human person. That then becomes, as uh, Aristotle argued, and again, I've, I've been reading Aristotle recently, so I'm, I, I know others, I'm sure, say this, but I've read it most recently, Aristotle. Aristotle argues in the Nicomachean Ethics that every science, every knowledge begins with asserted first principles. These principles are really before you the level of proof. And for personalism, the dignity of the human person is that first principle. And they look to the dialogical nature of human beings as the essence of the person. So the question for personalism then begin, becomes, how do we best set up society so that the dignity of all people is best achieved and best highlighted in the way we interact with each other? What does a personalist economics look like? What does economics look like where buyer and seller and corporation are all seeking the mutual flourishing of human persons? What happens to capitalism when the goal is not the achievement of the greatest profit for the, greatest, for the least risk, 
but rather what happens when the goal becomes how do I help everyone in this, co- in this operation achieve their best flourishing? What does education look like when it is grounded in the dignity of the person? These are the questions that a personalist ethic is working out. So that then is a very brief summary of personalism. If you are intrigued, I will just commend Juan Manuel Burgos's introduction to uh, personalism. It's available through Amazon. It's a, it's a quick read, but it's very effective at establishing the philosophical framework that is necessary here. So how would this work in Lincoln Douglas? And I will confess, this is rather theoretical. I've not actually put this into practice because at this point in life, I'm a coach rather than a competitor. I'm, I'm hoping I can talk Ethan into trying this at some point, and, and we might come back with a feedback episode to, uh, see, to just compare ballots and see how it goes. But if you were going to take what I've just explained and use it as a framework, this at least is how I think this would go. I would suggest establishing human dignity as the value uh, and then personalism as the value criterion. You would then need to make a pretty strong and quick link to a personalist theorist that fits the issue on the table. Whether the issue is dealing with violence or with the effects of capitalism or humans living in an environmental catastrophe, whether we're dealing with tyranny or authoritarian regimes or whether we're dealing with healthcare or the lack thereof, All of these issues that surround Lincoln-Douglas debate tend to focus on the dignity of the human person in the middle of a crisis, in which case personalism becomes a great framework to start from. As the question then becomes, not as uh, if you've listened to our show, you've heard Ethan and I go back and forth on this before, not, uh, it doesn't turn into a policy debate with advantages and disadvantages as the primary issue, but rather the question becomes which position best upholds human dignity as articulated by personalist phenomenology. And that that phenomenology is a whole other can of worms we can get into in a later episode. Now, there are several authors I just want to close this episode by recommending to you. If you're intrigued by personalism, this is really the cutting edge of philosophy today in a certain trajectory. Uh, So philosophy has moved from modernism to postmodernism to whatever the current movement is. Uh, The latest philosophy professors I've talked with have talked about the death of postmodernism, Nobody quite knows where we're going next. I'm in the camp that thinks personalism may very well have answers to the next movement that we need philosophically. So uh, one contemporary scholar I would recommend to you is a sociologist at the University of Notre Dame. His name is Christian Smith. Uh, he He has written several books on personalism that are particularly in a less Catholic vein. As you probably already intuited from this episode, a lot of the personalist thinkers are very Catholic, which does limit some of their utility for for debate. Um, but they're very careful. Personalism is seek personalist thinkers tend to want their ideas to go far beyond the Catholic fold. So they're not lim- they're not contingent on accepting a Catholic theological position. Christian Smith is a really interesting thinker. Uh, I'm currently working through a couple of his books, uh, so I'd recommend him to you. 
Uh, I would also recommend Carol Wojtyla or John Paul II. He is the probably the clearest and most prolific personalist author of the late 20th century. And he is particularly concerned to develop a personalist ethic that is trying to go beyond where traditional Catholic Thomism could go. He ended up kind of fusing personalism and Thomism into what he called a Thomistic personalism. Now, I will mention uh, two other guys, or re-mention them. I've already mentioned them once. Uh, John Crosby is uh, the elder statesman of Franciscan University of Steubenville. He's written extensively on personalism. He would be a uh, great author to consult on this. His son, John Henry Crosby, is the current leader of the Von Hildebrand Project and is one of the, both, both Crosbys are frequent translators of the work of Dietrich Von Hildebrand, and they are working to popularize his writings. Uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand was a personalist philosopher who fled Nazi Germany under the during the during the reign of Adolf Hitler, and he was a staunch uh, voice against the atrocities because of his personalist convictions. So Dietrich von Hildebrand is another uh, voice that I would recommend. Though unless you are fluent in German, you will probably be leaning on the translation efforts of John Crosby and John Henry Crosby. The Von Hildebrand Project also has a lot of resources about personalism on their website. Uh, that website is hildebrandproject.org. Uh, so they've got a ton of great resources there that would be very useful to helping to build your case. Now Lincoln Douglas is a great form of debate. I thoroughly enjoy helping students wrestle with ideas and then figure out how do they practically apply. One of the tensions in LD is the always back and forth between those who would see LD as one-man policy and those who would go with a traditional LD values-driven debate. As you know from this show, uh, Ethan and I are both squarely in the traditional values-driven LD debate. And for those who are looking to really uphold a traditional values approach, I think personalism could be a great tool to be able to use for the right kind of resolution. The next time you have a resolution that is really ultimately about whether we pursue the uh, good of the whole versus the good of the one, or whether we have the, uh, the economic benefit versus the moral benefit, or one of those kinds of clashes, personalism is a great structure to draw from to say that whatever we do politically, we have to seek the good of the human person first and foremost so that we all flourish together. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed thinking through this with you. Uh, do let us know what you think of this, and particularly if you try out this method, and uh, let, let us know how it goes. It's one thing to suggest a paradigm on a podcast. It's a whole other thing to take a case and test out this method. You can get in touch with us over email at whatstheres at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram with our hashtag at whatstheres underscore. You can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com slash whatstheres. You can check out all of our resources at our website, www.whatstheres.com. If you want to check out some of the live debates that we've recorded, we call those premium debates, real debates by real people, where we record educated non-experts debating the contemporary issues of the day. You can find those at whatstheres.podbean.com. Those are accessible at $3 a month or $30 a year. Thank you for joining us here on What's the Res, and until next time, work hard, speak well, and seek the truth. <laughs>